child's faith formation isn't a solo affair. And families were never meant to be isolated. Hey, and welcome to the Dad and Lad podcast. This is episode five, and it's a part two of last week episode looking at what is a Christian family. Today we're looking at what does it mean to be a Christian family in the larger context of the church. My name is Jonathan. I'm with my dad, Lawson. I'm the lad in this, and he's the dad, though we are both dads. And uh, in this podcast, we talk about children, parent, family, and ministry. Well, this is an exciting topic, dad, and it's a continuation Mm -hmm. of last week. Let's start off by just defining what is the church. Well, I I love the Greek word uh, ecclesia because it speaks of a gathering of God's people. It was originally used in Greek to speak of of an an official getting together of citizens, of people, Mm. but was co-opted by the church to be used to describe uh, God's people getting together. So that's a great word. Yeah, a gathering and... From people from all different um, walks Tribes of life and, and tongues. And, tongues and, 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 mm-hmm. and we have a word that we use as a, both a gathering, but a common metaphor is the family. We mm-hmm. are the family of God. Mm-hmm. Do you want to speak into that? Uh, well, the scriptures speak a lot about the church's family. It speaks about us being members of his household in Ephesians 2 and verse 19. It speaks about... Uh, as being a family of believers. I like that in Galatians 6 and verse 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like as well about how in John 1, I think it's verses 12 to 13, it speaks about how when we are born of God, we become children of God. Yeah. And so that gives us that whole picture of us coming into his family because of something supernatural that's happened, uh, something transformative that's happened as we've come to faith in Christ. So so there's all those links mm. and many more in the scriptures. I'm just remembering a few. And certainly within uh, the rest of the Gospels and the letters, we hear this common uh, to see each other as brothers and sisters yes. in Christ and how that is the family that we'll be with for eternity. And it's the most powerful picture of how we are to live. And sadly, we sometimes um, can not see it that way. And we just see them as people that we rub shoulders with every once mm. in a while. They're they're kind of mildly associated with my family. They know a bit about my personal biological family, but we don't really truly see them as brothers and sisters that we will live forever with. Mm. And yet that is this whole idea of what we need to see. If God is our father... We need to see the church as our mother, um, as the ancient uh, church father would say. And so as families, we need to be in strong relationships with each other as God's people. And yeah, we don't always see it like that, especially in our Western context. It might not be so much a relational view of the church, but a programmatic view. Mm -hmm. Um, And not so much a relational view, but more of an individualistic Mm -hmm. view, even as when we talk about how big our church is, right? <laughs> now, that reminds me of, of a story you came back with uh, when you were in Portugal last year, as you talk about the size of a church and how we, uh, how we number uh, who's in the church. you want to share that story with us? Well, yeah, and it's a common friend, um, Terry, and he 
we were at the train station about to go check out uh, Lisbon and we just started chatting and just started asking me questions about my life and then asked me, oh, what church do you go to? And I, and I answered. And then he asked, oh, how big, how big is your church? It's a question that we often mm-hmm. ask each other as Christians. And I said, oh, not too big, roughly maybe 50 to 60 people. And then he stopped me and said, hmm, why did you try, try to use individuals as the basis for your numbers? Hmm. I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, we see that in the Bible. And he had this great, he, it was almost like he was waiting for it. Mm-hmm. And this platform, he says, we know in the Bible, the church is represented by many different families and different, and how we need to see the family as, as a good measuring unit. And a, we need to change our perspective. And he said, so is it 10, 12, 15 families? Um, and he, he had me thinking in a different way. And I'll never forget that because it's true. We usually even make individuals our numbers when, it, when we mm-hmm. talk about our church. But what if we thought about them as families and yeah, groups of families coming together? Church is a family together. of families. A family of families. I That's love right. that. Very good. And so today, I think one of the key words I want to focus in on is the idea of partnership. Mm. Families of families, church family and family units partnering together. What does a healthy partnership look like? Where do we start? Wow, that's a great question. Especially given that, and I need to sadly make a negative comment because a lot of the research, you know that I do a lot of research Mm -hmm. that I'm reading in, in different reports indicates that we're not partnering well together, congregations and and biological families. Yeah, sure. And so that's a challenge in and of itself. But I do recognize as we start off in this subject that to give children the best possible foundation of faith and set their sightlines on Christ, uh, pastors and parents or congregations and families must intentionally partner together to have any hope of success. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, let's press into that because I think that's, that's such a key... Uh, thought to get our heads and hearts around uh, within the context of this discussion. What does it look like for us to collaborate, to be on a journey together where everybody in the church family is involved in helping the biological families uh, be excellent at faith formation? So, a very popular curriculum is called Orange, which explored this mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. one color being the church, one color representing families, and there needs to be a blend. Do you think that's a healthy view? Um, do you have comments on that? Or do you have a different idea of maybe we don't need to draw those lines so strict even together of different yeah, colors? No, I really liked Reggie Joyner uh, is the founder of Orange, as, mm-hmm. as we know, and he came up with that uh, idea. In fact, he said, uh, he said, the best thing we can do for a kid's faith, I'm quoting, is to learn how to love their parents well, because truly what happens at home is more important than what happens at church, and no one has more potential to influence a kid than a parent. Mm. And he's absolutely right. Uh, I'm not sure if we've mentioned in a previous uh, podcast, but uh, the average child, Christian child attending church attends 1.7 times a month, which is about 24 hours in a year, whereas the Mm. average parent has more than 3,000 hours a year of interaction with their child. So, So, 
you know, Reggie is absolutely right on this. What's key is that churches play a, a hugely supportive and equipping role of the parents of the families. Within that role, are we talking just resources or are we talking something much bigger than just resources? Oh, so much more than that. Uh, I, I like what children's ministry consultant Julie Kurtz says. She says, when the home and the church, I quote, are working together as partners, the spiritual development of church-grown children will be at its best. And when she uses that word partner, when you read uh, her literature, she's speaking about everything from prayer through to uh, doing ministry together mm -hmm. in terms of, of the activities that we do, through to training one another, uh, uh, even being involved in the decision-making of the church, having children involved in that. And so much more. It's, 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 it's everything that is happening and doing it together. So it's a whole lot more than just resourcing. Now, we can't escape this word, and this can be probably many different episodes devoted just to this word, but it's worth bringing up the idea of being intergenerational. And if it's bringing all that collaboration mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. partnership, how do you start viewing and how do you start living into an intergenerational family as you worship together, pray together, meet together. Mm -hmm. What is intergenerational? Just can you touch on what would that potentially look like and what's the way forward? You're right. It's such a big topic and hopefully we'll do a podcast just on uh, cultivating intergenerational ministry. But I think the first thing I would want to identify is that a child's faith formation isn't a solo affair. And families were never meant to be isolated. Yeah. Uh, we, are, we are better together and we're meant to be connected. Because it's in the context of being connected with one another that God can speak and move and act and direct uh, us in his way. Uh, we need to hear from each other. We need to be able to model to each other. Mm -hmm. I've also, uh, to get back to research, I've, I've been reading recently about how when a, a child has two, three or four people within the context of the church family that they build relationships with, that significantly, and yeah. the research lays it out in a whole number of practical ways, their faith formation accelerates. That was the sticky faith study particularly. Yeah, they, right? they, they, had, they, they did some work in that. Which, which indicated that a great study. If you haven't heard, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't heard of Sticky Faith, you should yeah. look that up. I remember when I was reading it, the picture they laid out was creating a sticky web of support. And I like that. The, the idea of to create a web where as children, youth, young adults grow, it can't, how do you make a, a web of support? They brought it up to number of five. They can have five positive godly role models in their life. Mm -hmm. And so it means that they need to be rubbing shoulders and connecting and getting to know people within their church context, especially kids from a very young age, um, through different means. From right. older generation to uh, youth just a bit older. But there needs to be at least five. And they, that was one of the, the biggest finds that if uh, individuals that had five mm -hmm. were likely to keep the faith stick the faith would stick if they had that sticky web of support and so obviously that shows that 
there's a disadvantage from just siloing ministry off in age brackets. Mm-hmm. But do we throw it out altogether? There is a benefit also to have age-specific teaching. No, you're right. You in know, youth groups, there's right. also benefits to this. Yeah. Socio, so, sociobiologically, we know that we need age-specific uh, activities and connectedness. Yeah. But we also know that we are meant to connect beyond that. So I don't think it's, it's, it's either or, it's both and. Uh, but even as I say that, the weight of our activity should be more intergenerational than age segregated. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to the Dad and Lad podcast. This is brought to you by Scripture Union Canada, where we aim and hope to connect children, youth, and families with Jesus and his story. If you haven't already, check out our bookstore online at christiancanadabooks.ca. As we get back into the rest of this episode, we're going to look at how we need to prioritize people over programs and how we need to bring interconnectivity and partnership between families. Let's jump back in. Okay, Dad, I just want to read a, a quote from one of your blogs and just, just to hear your comments on it Okay. in this discussion. You said, pastors, and I'll include, and church leaders should see themselves not as service providers, but as facilitators of caring relationships. Can you expand? Sure. Uh, as we've already been saying, as we were talking about intergenerational uh, approaches to ministry, we need to build a culture of connectedness. Mm. And, and that's hugely important. We need to recognize that parents in particular value relational support more highly than programs or events. To see how we can ramp up people's connections and scale down programs. Mm. Because ultimately it's not activities that transform lives, it's people that transform lives. Yeah, they can almost be like a golden handcuff programs because it's like this oiled machine that you get going and you you can see results and it's fun and they can be effective, but it's like this machine that starts going and you can almost feel handcuffed to it because you see results, but it's I guess the it's not about um, what's uh, good but what's best and exactly what's, and because relationships can still happen within programs and so I guess that's the discussion of. How can we um, have a different perspective, a different change of thought, and it's people over programs, which we're not saying you throw out programs necessarily. We're not saying throw out the silos of ministry that are helpful of age-specific teaching. Maybe just a few words that I think are helpful as we're talking about intergenerational relationships. Mm -hmm. We're talking about both good formal teaching with an age-specific, but also encouraging informal discussions and teaching and relationship. Mm -hmm. And we're also looking at how to partner with families and leaders of the church. Right. And so how can we strengthen biological families uh, to church families? Like how can we strengthen that relationship? What are some practical ways to strengthen that? There's a lot of things we should be doing. I think, number one, we need to start talking more to each other and Mm -hmm. listening better. Uh, We often presume that we know what biological families want or need or where they're at. 
Yeah. But we haven't actually sat down and chatted to them. And, and I suspect, although it's more than a suspicion because there is research again that supports this, that there are many parents who feel that they are simply misunderstood or, or, or their realities are not known by the church. So we need to be talking, we need to be cultivating dialogue, and we need to be listening well, with active listening, more mm. so than just uh, listening. We, we need to, as well, uh, be more flexible with how we approach all of this. Uh, we often uh, are expecting families to fit in with certain types of scheduling that we do in the church, and that's not always easy for families. So I think we need to drop in that little word flexibility. How, how can we arrange uh, our relationships in ways in which there, there is more give and take, mm. where, uh, where the church is more malleable with how it connects with families? Mm. So that's a part of it as well. Um, I, I often speak about how families need to be able to do faith formation in more elastic time frames. Mm. And, and so I think that's a piece we need to think about as well. We need to, as well, dial into changing needs. Uh, families have a, a range of changing needs. As their children uh, go through various uh, stages of development and grow older, uh, their needs as a family change. So we need to understand a little bit about, uh, as, as particularly leaders in churches and pastors and clergy, uh, need to understand a little bit about the the development stages that uh, yeah. that we grow through, uh, so that they can better interact into those stages of life. So that's a few thoughts. Yeah, I think some of the things I'm hearing too is we're, we're talking about care, we're talking about listening, we're talking about flexibility, we're talking about being mm-hmm. involved, knowing what's going on, and the the saying that is popular but is very true is. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Oh, I like that. Is coming out because, especially as church pastors and leaders, we can teach, 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 and we can have all these programs. But until people know how much you care, um, it's going to be, it's not going to be as effective. And so we're talking I, I, about. I must jump in on this. I was in a in, on an international uh, call, a forum. Uh, just a few days ago, and we had something called a Mentimeter, where mm. people can drop in their comments while the discussion yeah, yeah. is flowing. And somebody on the call uh, used something to this effect that they wrote down. They said, pastors must step down from the pulpit, uh, as we were talking about this business of connecting. And I thought that's very powerful because the pulpit tends to be a physical barrier and it sort of sets the pastor apart. And so what you're suggesting here is with this whole idea of caring is we need to remove physical barriers and find ways for us to get closer. Totally. I think there's also a recognition as pastors and leaders, hopefully it's not coming across as just more things to do, but rather a shift in thought of how we are to champion ministry going forward we need to pivot our thoughts and thinking of how we can operate as a family as a church family truly and how to advocate how to encourage how to support those who are leaders in that area as well um and yeah, so that, that brings us to the whole uh aspect of roles and responsibilities doesn't yeah. it we need to understand clearly which again needs needs discussion What is the role and responsibility of the church in the faith formation of the members of the congregation? 
And what are the roles and responsibilities of parents in all of this? And I think sometimes those roles have been blurred or, or they haven't been clearly identified. And as a result of that, there's a lot of murkiness. And sometimes the church is stepping into territory that should be the parents' territory. Sure. And sometimes the parents aren't taking up their responsibilities like they should do. They, uh, they're handing them off to the church. And, and we need to be clear on roles and responsibilities. Yeah. Altogether... As God's people, we're not just providing services. We, all of us, need to be facilitating and being a part of caring relationships. Absolutely. And we need to see our family units as always looking out, reaching out, and connecting with others. Mm-hmm. And that's, it requires intention, intentionality and being active in that. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what I've seen happen is, at first, it can be uncomfortable like because in the west we like to have our our privacy we like to have our own kind of home space but to allow for an open door anything with people is uncomfortable (laughs) yeah true (laughs) i remember thinking many years ago and i'm sure many others have thought this that the church would be perfect if it wasn't for people (laughs) (laughs) and then we realized that's what the church is and then i realized i'm there so i've messed it up (laughs) (laughs) that too sure yeah i think just need to end with a story um, running a small group the other day in, in our in our home, and we had uh, a new a new person join in, and mm-hmm. it was a young guy, and was able to to chat with him afterwards, and just talked about how he's just trying to find a church, and and so I asked him, "What is the church to you?" Uh-huh. And he wrestled with that question, and he said, "Well, I'm not from a Christian family, and often I I haven't really got." at church I seem to go and it doesn't really make sense to me and it just seems like I listen and then it's just a hard structure for me to be in then he says uh, I leave and I've never really understood church as the importance of going to it but then I just challenged him with this and it's a challenge for me it's a challenge for all of us that we shouldn't go to the church as expecting a performance or expecting in t- to receive something individually in as much of the church is a family of God. And we are to go thinking this is people that we are to love and to grow with and to serve with. Mm-hmm. And so my simple encouragement with, was to him, find a community of God's people that you can love and serve. Not thinking about what you can receive. Mm-hmm. Because where you can find a community that you can really love, build relationships and serve and get to know then you're understanding what the church is. We are God's family. And that will be active. That will be uncomfortable at times when we ask people, hey, I didn't see you. I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Getting involved in each other's lives will be uncomfortable. But it's what it's meant to be. I like the two words you've used there, loving and serving. Because it's true both for the church family, but it's also true for the biological family. Yeah. And so in those two words, I think you've epitomized what family is all about. Mm. Well, praise God that we have the head of the church as Christ who laid Mm -hmm. down the perfect example of what it means to love and to serve and to give up his life. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Dad and Lad podcast. We'll be back next week and we're excited for you to join us. As always, remember, the best theology is a lived out one. Let's be doers of the word 
and uh, we'll see you next time. God bless.